Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's great to have you with us again. We have an amazing guest, Ty Davis, with us. He is going to be talking to us about why is successful positioning and niching down so hard. So, how you find that niche, how to pare down your services to focus on that niche. And he's really an expert in this space. So this could be great to hear his expertise and his thoughts on it. Um, so to begin, uh, Kai, do you just want to quick introduce yourself um, and Ab- let people know kind of who and what, 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 what you're doing? Absolutely. Pleasure to be here, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here, Stephen. Thank you again for having me back on the show. So I'm Kai Davis. Uh, these days, I'm positioning myself as your Shopify SEO guy. I'm the founder and CEO and all that jazz of Double Your E-Commerce, a Shopify consultancy. And I have another business off to the side where I sell growth-focused educational products, you know, books and courses for independent consultants and freelancers like who might be listening to the show right now. So uh, it's been an interesting journey. And these days, I'm super excited to be growing Double Your E-Commerce. Awesome. Can't wait to dive in, learn more about everything. Uh, Jonathan, you want to uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm the founder and dog's body of WP Tonic. Um, We specialize in the building of learning management systems for um, consultants, for education, for businesses. We're into e-learning. That's what we do. Over to you, Stephen. Perfect. And I think I forgot to mention that this is show number 639. That's a big number. Lots of shows and lots more to come. Uh, Before we dive into it, we're going to quick go for... Uh, a sponsorship break here, and we'll be right back. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top-quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat-rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. Also, for the WP Tonic Tribe, Castos is just offering an amazing deal. If you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you can get your first six months at half price. That's right, half price. That's only an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Also, you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic weekly newsletter, which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the WP Tonic tribe. Please show your support for the show and support Castos. It's a fantastic platform. All right, coming back, um, Kai Davis is with us. Um, we're talking about successful positioning and niching down. Um, and, and I think one of the most interesting things is to hear about how people decide how to niche and where to niche. And something um, that you've really focused on, Kai, is the Shopify niche. Um, and in e-commerce, there's a lot of different directions to go. Uh, Jonathan and I are both really familiar with WooCommerce. We've done you know, some things on Shopify. But how did you choose to niche to Shopify? Um, did you start there? Did you start somewhere else and end up there? How did you start like thinking about that and deciding to niche down to Shopify? Good question. So to truly answer this question in full, we're going to have to go into the Wayback Machine and head back to 2013 when I first started the WE Commerce jaunt. So 
I've always been interested in e-commerce. I cut my teeth on eBay back when I was like 13 years old. And Shopify came onto the scene, you know, a few years back. And I very much enjoyed Shopify because I felt it made it easier for merchants to launch and grow stores. WooCommerce is solid. It's a great option out there. I just, I've used it before. I used it for a few years on my own sites and it really didn't resonate with me. And so when I was looking at relaunching WR e-commerce and, you know, growing it again, I started thinking about where do I want to niche down to? Where do I want to double down? And I realized, well, I've got a good amount of experience with Shopify. It's a platform I enjoy. I might not, you know, be head over heels in love with it, but I enjoy it. I don't hate it. And I have a decent network of merchants and providers and app owners who are in the Shopify niche. So I took a look at it and I said, well, you know, there's some good things on the Shopify side. There's some good things on the non-Shopify side. But over the years, what I've discovered when it comes to niching down and positioning yourself is you can't ever have a perfect amount of information. You can't ever have, you know, a clear yellow big road forward into making money online. All you could really do is get to a point where you say, ah, feels like I have 60 or 70% of the information I need. Let's make a decision and see what happens. And so I said, you know what? I've got enough information. I, I, I think, I suspect Shopify would be a good bet here or not a bad bet. And so I made the bet and proceeded on forward. And I've been enjoying it so far over uh, this year. So you, so you like first got into Shopify really by doing your own Shopify store is kind of how you started building that skills and expertise. Yeah, a combination of my own Shopify stores, Shopify stores for, you know, friends, family, colleagues yeah. back in 2013, and then starting to work with merchants who said, you know, we need a marketer, we need a search engine optimization specialist, we need somebody who could just help us understand how to grow our store and grow our properties and just continue doubling down from there. So when you got into helping um, agencies or people with their stores, um, you focused primarily right out the gate on Shopify because that's where your connection was. It wasn't like a decision like, oh, I need to niche down. You niched down because you had an expertise in that area that was better or deeper than expertise in other areas. Yeah, exactly. It felt like I already had a bit of an advantage there just based on knowledge of the platform, already having worked with it in the past. That just made it sort of the easy choice to, to move forward with. It didn't feel like I would be making a mistake by picking Shopify over, you know, WooCommerce or another platform out there, let's say Webflow. But it just felt like, hey, this seems like a good enough decision and uh, I'm not going to sweat over it too much. Do you, do you feel like that's like a generally a good way of starting to think about where to niche down is to start thinking about where are my core competencies or is it, because I feel like in my head, there's times where I wrestle with the idea of like, do you make a data driven decision or do you make a passion enjoying decision? Like I, or just knowledge base. Like I know this stuff versus like, I know there's X amount of people here with X amount of money. Um, like when you're starting to think about that process is, is one way better than the other, or is there a hybrid method or kind of where, do, where does somebody start thinking about it themselves? I, I really advocate the hybrid method. I think either starting from the emotional point, like, Oh, I, I kind of hate Shopify. Let's not go in that direction. Or starting from the analytical point, oh, you know, they've grown X percent year over year. I see increasing demand. Both of those are great. But I think taking one of those perspectives in isolation sets you up, not for failure, but for maybe a hard time. Since if you say, you know what, all the numbers add up, Shopify is growing. It looks like, you know, if I start here, I'm going to be owning 10 Teslas within six years. Let's just get on that rocket. And then a year and you're like, oh, I, I kind of hate this. This is not fun. Unless you check in with yourself on the other side of that decision. If you started from analytics, checking with emotion, or if you started with emotion, checking in with analytics and validating that decision, I think it's going to be a harder decision to make. So I really like approaching these sort of positioning decisions with that hybrid mindset. 
what does my intuition tell me? What do my emotions tell me? And what does the market and the analytics tell me? And when you, me, anybody listening combines those three, I think you're able to make a better, more insightful decision rather than just saying, I like WooCommerce. Let's double down there and see what happens and then realize, oh, this might not have been the growth rocket I thought I was strapping myself to. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, uh, over to you. Yeah, Any so, it's, you know, we're about WordPress, but we like talking to people that are using different platforms in digital, in the digital world and a really great experience marketer like you. So what, you know, you said, you know, you like Shopify, but you're not a total fanboy. So what are some of the key, like, two or three things that you really like of Shopify? And what are two or three things that you don't like about Shopify? Yeah, good question. So in terms of what I like, I think they, like big picture, they have really transformed the ability of a merchant or a hustler to say, like, I want an e-commerce store. Click, click, tap, tap. Oh, my, my shop's up and I'm selling things. Like, it's so different than how it was 10, 15 20 years ago, back when we were making computers out of twigs and twine and sticks. But I'd say like their ability to transform the e-commerce game is great. I love the app store and just the growth it's created around the net and for these merchants. And uh, uh, I love their educational content, really. Like they've done a great job of helping people understand how to grow their store, what to do, what effective marketing online is really about. On what I don't like, I think that's a harder question to answer. I think... I'm searching my memory banks to see what comes to mind. I think with any platform, there always are challenges between where the merchants and users of that platform want to head and where the growth mandate of the platform is. And as Shopify gets larger, I think we're going to see a bit more dissonance where merchants are saying like, oh, we really need features like A, B, and C to help us reach people and grow. And Shopify might say, oh, that's great. Our you know, two-year plan has us not focusing on those things and focusing over here. So I expect there to be a bit of divergence over time. But I think that's sort of, what you'd expect with any platform as it grows. We could look at Twitter, Facebook, anything out there, and there always is a bit of dissonance. So I don't know if there's anything I'd point to as like a big red flag about the platform, but more just knowing this dance, knowing this game, knowing that as they grow, they're going to have a different mission than the merchants. There might be some friction down the line. Are there any, you know, you specialize in the SEO side. So, you know, um, before I ask you that, um, the last, I, last shop, it was a very large Shopify project. It was about five, six years ago. So it's probably irrelevant, but um, it started to expand the, you know, what the core functionality of the client wanted. There was scope creep. It was paid scope creep, but it mm -hmm. happened. So we started having to do a lot of going to the app store in Shopify, finding plugins, hiring JavaScript um, engineers that had experience with Shopify. In the end, it got more expensive and more messy than if we had done it on WooCommerce from day one. Mm -hmm. it, it, is, there, is that a common thing? And, and it, But it's a difficult thing. You really got to understand the core, what the client is looking for before. Because, but I do think there's a place where you know you're not getting the benefits of a SaaS platform. You're getting because you just it's just got to to cust. They're looking for too much of a customized solution. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I resonate with that. I think they're. 
I think maybe that is honestly part of the challenges with Shopify. And like this zooms out to a lot of these merchants end up with a Shopify website, which is wonderful. But within that, they have like a huge online marketing platform, which is an app and is running custom code on it and apps. And like, it's kind of more like a SaaS application for a store than just an e-commerce, you know, portal. And I think exactly to your point, as they start saying, well, I see my colleagues, I see my competitors have these features. Let's get them added here. They might not be looking at Shopify stores for that comparison. They might be looking at WooCommerce or custom coded sites. And so what the merchant wants might not be easily possible on the platform. But I think when you zoom out with the merchant and say, okay, what's the outcome we're looking for here? Do we want, you know, this design and to emulate this? Or is this to like increase conversion rate or get more traffic? When you zoom out to that big picture goal the merchant or the client has, it's easier to zoom on in on what the essential aspect is and make sure you're on the same page. I've definitely ended up in the same spot where, you know, the client wants A, B, and C, and we're iterating on the platform to get there. And we just end up drifting off from where they want to be and where we want to be and nobody's happy. And so I really like just, you know, having a meeting of the mind saying, what's the big picture goal we're aiming for here rather than these tactics and three dozen plugins? What needle are we trying to move? And from there saying, okay, how can we most effectively move that needle? Maybe it is a dozen plugins. Maybe it's a custom coded app. Maybe it's something else. But whenever I find myself in those scope creep situations, I find myself just setting up a meeting with a client to better understand what are we actually aiming for here? Well, I suppose that, you know, invertedly, you just pointed out why it's a good idea to hire somebody like you, really, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but I don't think you planned it, but it is a good example, isn't it? Because otherwise you can go on a, a very time-consuming, expensive, windy road, can't you? Yeah, yeah, truly. Um, so we've got... Over to you, Stephen. We've got time for one more question, Stephen, before we need to go for a break. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, when kind of getting back to the, the niching down question and positioning yourself, um, when should somebody like start thinking about that? Let's say I have, I have a store, I have a bunch of different products. How do I know if I need to think about niching down to something a little bit smaller, like picking that niche and really committing to it or really positioning myself as uh, an expert or whatever in, in, in a specific area. Like when do, how do I realize that, oh, wait, I'm casting my net way too large. Good question. And just to clarify, are we talking about a store, like a Shopify store, an e-commerce store niching down or say a service provider uh, niching down to a particular target market? Uh, let's, let's talk about a store. And okay. Uh, if, if it's if it's very different, then let's also talk about that service uh, provider because I think we kind of have like those two different people in our audience. So I think both would be very valuable. Perfect. So for the first one for that store, when should a store niche down to a specific target market or a target audience? The It's a squishy question. What I found is sort of like the gut level signal that people resonate with is your marketing isn't getting you the impact you're looking for. Maybe you're spending money on ads. Maybe you're doing the search engine optimization thing. Maybe you're doing, you know, social or offline and meetups. And you feel like I am pushing this boulder very, very hard, very, very frequently. And it's just not moving. I'm not getting traffic. I'm not getting sales. Uh, we, you know, we do stuff and we get, you know, one, two, a dozen folks visiting the site, but they aren't really converting. What's up? What I found time and time again in the dozens, if not hundreds of Shopify and e-commerce stores I've worked with is if your positioning is off, if you don't have a target market, if you're like, we're a store that has everything for everybody, you aren't going to sell to anybody because your marketing message isn't resonant with anybody. There's not anybody out there who could land on your store and say, oh my gosh, these products are for me and that situation I'm dealing with. 
there's a quote from this wonderful consultant and author who unfortunately passed a few years back, Gerald Weinberg. And the quote, if I could remember, it says, uh, uh, it's the law of raspberry jam. The wider you spread it, the thinner it is. And I just love this quote when it comes to marketing and positioning, because if we think about this hypothetical store of a very wide target audience, we could start to see, oh, if they're targeting everybody, if they're spreading the jam that is their marketing as wide and as far as they can, there's not going to be that much marketing left to reach their target market, to say, we are the products for you, dear reader. So what I often recommend is as a merchant starts to feel like their marketing isn't having the impact they're looking for, where it just isn't clicking, use that as a trigger to start this niching down, target market focusing activity within your business. And it often isn't, you know, flip a light switch. Oh, we woke up and we decided we're going to focus on this particular market. It takes some soul searching. It takes some analytical reasoning. It takes some talking with your target marketing customers just to understand who your best buyers are, who those people are that buy more, more often at higher prices. And so often when I'm working with, oh, please, you. Oh, no, I was going to say that, that, that that's great. Um, we're, we probably need to go for our break now, um, but when we come back, we'll keep leaning into this question and maybe talk about uh, service providers and if that's different than e-commerce store and starting how to think about that. Uh, so now quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, Backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flows lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flows, who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. Hi there, folks. Are you involved in the building of new websites or supporting WordPress websites as a freelancer or agency owner? If the answer is yes, we've got a great tool here, Avereen. As you know, you can waste a tremendous amount of time with email or phone tag with your clients around a new WordPress build out or supporting multiple websites. It can be a real pain in the posterior. But with Avereen, you get essential interface where clients can log in and with a easy visual interface, they can show you the changes they require. It's a real game changer and it will save a tremendous amount of time and frustration, not only for yourself, for your team. Also, Avereen have given us a great offer basically only costs you one dollar to try their program it's really fantastic if that sounds interesting go to the wp tonic website wp tonic backlink newsletter and you'll be able to try this great product like i say for just one dollar what a fantastic offer see you soon folks all right coming back folks uh we're going to uh learn a little bit more about niching down for service providers now but we kind of just talked about e-commerce stuff. So um, Kai, maybe just continue that thought that you had um, and kind of think about what maybe that difference between the service provider and the e-commerce store. Absolutely. So if we contrast like an e-commerce store with a service provider, 
I think it's both a little harder and a little easier for the e-commerce store. So on the harder side, you might have a warehouse full of inventory that you bought with your target market of everybody. You've got shoes, you've got rugs, you've got mugs, you've got hats. Well, who's going to buy this stuff? So as you niche down, you start to run into that challenge of like, okay, what do I do with this inventory? On the flip side, as a service provider, your assets most likely are like, you've got a website, you've got some copywritten, maybe you have a couple of PDFs. And so when you start to say, hey, my marketing isn't resonating, I'm not getting the clients I'm looking for, and you start this process of niching down, you don't have as much physical inventory to deal with, but you probably have a good amount of web inventory, you know, pages and copywriting you've done that you need to update to resonate with your new target market. So I think in both cases, it's a similar process of looking at your marketing, looking at your leads, asking yourself, am I getting the impact I'm looking for? And then starting to take action to refine down to those best buyers, the people who analytically you could see are buying and emotionally you could see, oh, I want to work with these people. It refills my cup to work with them. When um, you're thinking about niching down, can you niche down too far? Or is, is that like an impossible thing because people's gut is always like, oh no, I don't want to niche myself too far. So like everyone errs on the opposite side and like erring on too, too small niches, like hardly ever a thing that someone needs to be concerned with. Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it. Erring on too small of a niche is too rare of a thing, too hard of a thing to actually do. But because we're humans, because we have squishy meat brains, we will look at it and say, oh my gosh, there are only 15 million potential customers in this niche. This is too few. What happens when I work with all of them? And the truth is, it, it's not a situation that'll ever happen, but it's an emotional situ situation to be aware of. So I think it's always valuable to see if you could niche down a little further into a more specific target market. But there is an element of diminishing returns here. If you're like, okay, Kai, I've spent six months niching down and refining and refining. I'm going to spend six months more. Nah, man, get out there and market. Like there's a point when you're just niching to niche down further. I think it's good to engage in it as, a, as an activity and say, hey, how can I become more specific and targeted in my marketing? But you definitely hit a point where you need to go out there and market and see, okay, is this more specific niche? Is this more specific target market clicking like I want it to? If not, back to the drawing board. But if it is, how can you pile more wood onto this marketing fire and get it going even hotter and faster? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, over to you. Yeah, so, you know, you do a growth action plan on your website. You know, all, you know, we've got mostly agency owners, plug-in developers, implementers, SaaS owners. They're our audience. So everybody's looking for growth. Stephen's looking for growth. I'm looking for growth. So... Maybe you can quickly tell us about your growth action plan and also maybe one or two mistakes you see all the time when it comes to business owners when they want growth. Absolutely. So the growth action plan is a service offering of mine where I sit down and work one-on-one -on -one with the business owner, typically an agency or a micro agency owner, sometimes an app or a plugin owner. And we say, okay, First, where do you want to go? Like, there's no purpose in talking about growth unless we have a target. Otherwise, we're just growing for growth's sake. So we start off just saying, like, where do we want to go? What's this three-year vision? Where do you want your business to be to support you and your lifestyle? Then we take a look at your current metrics. What has it looked like for you in 2020 and 2021? Where do you need to be in 2022? Are you on target for that? Based on this meeting of the minds, what I jokingly call a Vulcan mind meld between myself and your business, we have a detailed meeting. We have a detailed conversation. I prepare a growth action plan combining my insight and experience with what the client has shared about their situation and their goals and their business. 
we have another meeting just to talk through my recommendations and make sure they feel they have a clear and concrete action plan to follow for the coming six to nine months. So at the end of the project, the client both has strategy and insight into what to work on and a do this, not that action plan just to say, hey, this month, move this boulder. It's the most important one. Next quarter, focus on these four. And into the coming year, think about these three priorities. Just so instead of feeling like, okay, I've got 12 things to do, I'm not going to do any, this is too hard. The client has a clear plan for what to work on to grow in their target destination. Where do they want to reach and what do they need to do to get there? And what couple mistakes you see people do, patterns that you've observed with these conversations? Are there one or two things you see people doing wrong? Because they've probably been trying this and normally when they outreach to an expert like you, it's not worked. Um, that's why they want to hire you and get your knowledge because they've been trying this themselves. So is there any one or two things that you see a lot of people doing wrong when it comes to this? Yeah, there, there are two that immediately pop to mind. They might not be, you know, things that people are doing wrong, but more opportunities people don't think of. So the first one that comes to mind is a lot of the folks I work with, myself included, sadly, have a resistance to doing what's worked in the past because hey, we've done that before. You know, yes, it worked. Yes, it was good. Yes, there's probably still, you know, metaphorical money in that banana stand, but we've done it before, Kai. Where's the newness? And I'm like, okay, I hear you. Newness is fun. Let's start with the thing we've done before we know works until it's no longer working. And for myself included, it's often a light bulb moment. Oh my gosh, it'd be so much easier if I just did the thing which already worked. And I, I encourage anybody in the audience, when you're thinking about growth, if there's you know, one or two things you've tried in the past, but then set aside for whatever reason, consider coming back to them. Consider seeing if you could spin those up again and get them moving. Oftentimes, that's all it takes to start seeing some movement. The, the other one I'll call out that I often see as a missed opportunity is folks don't often engage in backwards planning. So if we take a target number like a revenue goal, you want to make you know $150,000 this coming year. Well, how many clients do you need to get there? How many leads do you need to close that number of clients? What marketing activities do you need to be doing to generate that number of leads consistently month to month? Unless you take, even if it's only 30 minutes, and start thinking through these numbers and like the shape of your business and the revenue you need, it could be way too easy to end up in a spot where you think, okay, we're going to hit our targets in Q4. We just need to close 80 leads. And suddenly you realize like, oh no, we're running in the wrong direction. We can't get there. So in my growth action plan, in my work with my clients, I will often sit down and say, like, let's do some backwards planning here. Let's figure out that big, hairy, audacious revenue or business goal. And let's backwards plan to specifically each month we need to be outreaching to maybe it's six podcasts to get on as a guest. Maybe it's a dozen potential clients. Maybe it's content collaborators. Maybe it's agency partners. Maybe it's something else. But when we go through this process of taking that big goal and figuring out the weekly or monthly actions to take, 99% of the time, the client I'm working with starts to see growth because they know what to focus on. Otherwise, it's like, maybe I move this lever. No, maybe I move this lever. No, what am I supposed to do, Kai? Well, we have to plan it out and we have to see to the first point, what have you done before that you could continue doing to get the growth you're looking for? That was fantastic. Over to you, Steve. It's so much of like success in growth and building a business, like really just boils down to execution. and. Evan, what you were saying, like, just resonates because, like, it's so easy for me to hop around and, like, pull different levers and be like, oh, what's the cool new idea that's going to change everything? When in reality, like, yeah, cool new ideas are great, but you have to also execute on those and you have to keep executing on it. Um, 
over and over and over again. And marketing isn't like some mystery box that like takes the, like some crazy, like, you know, billboard on Times Square. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're a millionaire or whatever. Like, no, it's just, you wake up every day. You have, like you're saying, you you, you have those like boulders that you're pushing up. You know the, what you have to do to push that boulder a little bit farther today. And you keep doing that. And eventually like you see those big results. How, how do you, um, when, when you're working with a client, um, how do you convince somebody to just do that grind or, um, or, or what, what can I change about myself so that I wake up every morning and, and do that grind? Cause sometimes that's like, that's the hardest part, right? Is, can, is I, can I just slightly intervene? I'm sorry to do this, Steve, but it's no, okay. Well, it just occurred to me that is the crux because yeah, you've got to be consistent in the grind. But Cole also pointed out people do things and they're doing the work, but they're not getting the results. So they are doing the grind. Would you? It's it's that balance. Is that there's a lot of people that won't do the grind, but there's a lot of people that are putting, but it just isn't working. And is that linked to what you just said? during the interview that they're not niche down or they don't, uh, is it a mixture of not niching down and not really understanding the needs, the wants of their target audience? I think it often is. It's hard to like do a diagnosis, you know, from afar about being, you know, elbow deep in somebody's yeah, business. But enough. oftentimes it is because they don't understand their market, because they don't understand exactly who they're marketing to. And through that, they don't understand how to effectively reach their market. My perennial example of a Shopify store is CBD dog treats for elderly dogs, which just has a bit of evocativeness to it. And if I'm trying to reach that target market and I say, you know what, I'm going to go on TikTok and I'm going to DM folks and see, do you run a Shopify store selling, you know, dog treats for elderly dogs with joint issues? My target market probably is not going to be on that platform. I could go to LinkedIn and I could do the same. Maybe there'll be a few more people and I'll start seeing a bit more traction. It won't feel as much like a grind but it still won't be getting me the results I want. So oftentimes, zooming out, the fundamental issue I see is because the, the business I'm working with doesn't quite understand who their target market is or hasn't defined it because they're spreading this jam way too wide, they don't know where to reach these people. And so they try, you know, we'll try TikTok, we'll try Instagram Live, we'll go to that meetup, we'll do some SEO content. And three months later, they'll say, I feel burnt out and exhausted. None of this is working. The reason is they don't know where to reach their target market and they don't know how to reach their target market. So as you better define what your niche is, what your positioning is, who your ideal client is, then you're able to do a little bit of market research. Where do these people hang out online? What do they read? What do they subscribe to? What do they listen to? How do I get involved in those conversations or get onto those platforms? And then suddenly it feels less like a grind. You see yourself getting traction, getting responses, getting more leads, getting more engagement. And it starts to head in the right direction. So oftentimes, the fundamental issue is the, the business does not know who their target market is, and they haven't yet done any exercises to refine in on that. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of other reasons why the marketing and the growth can just stall for folks. But this is one of the most fundamental reasons and one of the most common problems I run into. And just, just to follow through, and then we probably need to start wrapping it up for the podcast part of the show, Stephen. But that's that's where you really help, isn't it, Cole? Because you help them identify the target audience. Because I, I, I've been struggling with this. With W, it's been a constant struggle for WP Tony. I think I'm getting better, but 
I'm still struggling. I'll probably have to have a chat with your girl, actually. Uh, um, that, that's the endorsement, a very large endorsement, folks, when I'm going to get my wallet out with a guest. Uh, um, but, uh, um, but I think that is the crux of it, isn't it, really? Apart from these external, that the market is in decline, you've chosen something that's going the wrong way anyway, so that's a problem. But apart mm-hmm. from these external, it is the, that is the crux, isn't it? You don't understand who you're trying to sell to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if you're trying to sell to like four different target audiences at once, because one of them will be right, won't it? Suddenly, your marketing message again is spread in so many different directions. It gets hard to know what's getting traction or if you even are getting traction. Yeah, yeah. That, that jam analogy just keeps coming up. It's a good one. I, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to remember it. All right. That's, that's it for the podcast, but we're going to be uh, doing some bonus content. So uh, head over to the WP Tonic Facebook page or YouTube channel to check out the bonus content. Uh, Kai, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, if you could... Let everybody know where to find out more about you, maybe the growth action plan. And you also have some new, exciting, interesting stuff about email template libraries. I know that's one area that I always get stuck is trying to write a bunch of emails to clients and how to word things and stuff. Um, So maybe uh, talk a little bit about that and where we can find out more information. Heck yeah. So first off, uh, I've got two websites I just want to quickly plug. The first is kydavis.com and you can find links to these in show notes. kydavis.com is my repository of information, guidance, products, and my growth action plan for agencies, micro-agencies, and experienced freelancers who are looking to grow. DoubleYourEcommerce.com is my consultancy for Shopify stores that are looking to grow through growth-focused search engine optimization. And uh, if you sign up at either site, you'll get a steady trickle of emails from me to help your business grow. The product you just referenced, Stephen, it's my new email template library, and we'll get a link in the show notes. And I put this together after clients asking me for literally years, hey, do you have a repository of your emails, Kai? And I was like, oh, I got some of this product and some of that product and a few over here. But there really wasn't any one-stop spot to get, you know, Kai Davis stamped templates to use in your emailing. And so over the past few months, I started putting together this email template library. It has my book, Writing Better Emails, to help you, dear reader, understand, okay, what goes into a good email? What steps do you want to take to get a good chance of getting a reply and having your follow-up really land? But the real value, the meat of this product is the email template library itself. You have 22 email templates for me. I've written them. I've rewritten them dozens of times. You have context and guidance for me on how to use these email templates, how to customize them for different situations. And when you need it, you could just copy, paste, customize, and then send any of the email templates included to your clients, to your lead, to whoever it might be, and take that awkwardness out of the equation when it comes to writing these important client emails. Awesome. Thanks so much. And uh, as Kai said, uh, head over to uh, the WP Tonic website, uh, check out the show notes to get all the links and info and details there um, as well. Um, all right, uh, that's it. We'll be heading into bonus content here. We're going to be talking about sales outreach in 2021 and 2022 because it's changed a lot over the last couple of years. See you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.